obviously we're talking about commas, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, to, to, to play that out to, you know, um, you know, religious or, uh, political or moral f philosophical ideals about ourselves. You know, I, I think it scales. Hi, Internet. Welcome to episode three of Changed My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. I'm Luke T. Harrington. I'm an award-winning author, celebrated humorist, and I make really, really good tacos. I'm just saying. Um, this is a show where I talk to people who have changed their minds um, about various things, often important things, often controversial things. Um, in episode one, we talked to someone who had changed his mind about politics. In episode two, we talked to someone who had changed her mind about religion. Um, what you are listening to is probably going to be our most controversial episode yet. I talked to Daryl Armstrong, who has changed his mind about the Oxford comma. Um, so I am already gearing up for all the angry uh, listener letters we're going to get. Um, telling me how wrong I am about the Oxford comma or how wrong Daryl is about the Oxford comma. This actually was kind of a contentious conversation because Daryl feels very strongly. He is an Oxford comma devotee and I am, I, and I'm not anti-Oxford comma, but I just have to say I am unimpressed um, by the Oxford comma. It doesn't seem to be the magical clarification tool that its fans tend to think it is, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, Daryl is an editor out in Las Vegas. Um, he designs websites uh, through his company, The Threaded Zebra Agency, and he edits um, for a, a pop culture website called Rise Up Daily. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna segue in to my conversation with Daryl Armstrong. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Welcome to episode three of Changed My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. I'm Luke T. Harrington, and I am here with Daryl A. Armstrong. Say hi, Daryl. Hello, Daryl. Daryl is the, um, he is a advertiser. He works with a boutique agency called the Threaded Zebra Agency out of Vegas. He is the managing editor of the website, the entertainment website, Rise Up Daily, and he is a freelance film critic, just like uh, everybody else on the internet is, I assume. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> me, me, me and about, you know, three million other people. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, I used to be the managing editor for a, a film criticism website called Movie Zeal. That was way back in the day. Really? I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's long gone now. I don't think there's anything at moviezeal.com anymore, but back in the day we were important enough that we um actually almost got sued by Slant magazine. So, that was wow. cool. Um yeah. <laughs> we had a we had a writer who was plagiarizing their movie reviews. Um, so that was yeah, ugly and unfortunate, but um we don't have to talk about that right now. 
Um, so anyway, this is um, this is the third episode of Changed My Mind, and as the title suggests, I talk to people who have changed their minds about big and important things. Um, not always politics and religion. Today we're talking about grammar because what could be more important than grammar? The purpose of this podcast is a pretty simple one. I feel like it is very hard these days to engage in good faith with anyone. Um, and there have been there have been studies published um, in psychological journals that um, have found that people never change their minds, even when confronted with um, significant evidence that they're wrong. Um, but that being said, people can and do change their minds. We've all seen it happen. And I want to know why people change their minds and what leads people to change their minds. So this is the purpose of my podcast. And this is podcast I've said before is probably about 20% research project and about 80% therapy for me. Um, so here we go. This has changed my mind with Luke T. Harrington. Um, yeah. Daryl? Daryl is here, and Daryl changed his mind about possibly the most important thing in the history <laughs> of anything, the Oxford comma. Yeah. <laughs> we should probably um, probably say what the Oxford comma is um, for listeners who don't know. Do you uh, want to tell them or should Yeah, I? go ahead. Well, Oxford comma or the serial, com serial comma. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay, so the, the Oxford comma or the serial comma is the name preferred by a lot of grammarians because that's what it actually is. But um, the serial comma is used in, obviously, written communication um, when you're um, listing several things, right? Um, so you can say, I had eggs, comma, toast, comma, and bacon. Um, and the comma before and is the Oxford comma, Um and there are people that feel that there should be a comma before and, and people that feel that there shouldn't. Um, most American style guides recommend using it. So like the, the MLA style guide, the APA style guide, Chicago manual, all recommend using it. Most British guides recommend against using it, which is kind of ironic because it's named after Oxford, which is a British university, but the Oxford style guide is pretty much the only British style guide that recommends it. And I'm pretty sure I just lost like 80% of our viewers saying all that stuff. <laughs> um, but that's what the Oxford comma is. It's, it, you know, if you, if you say I had eggs, comma, toast and bacon, do you need a comma after toast or not? That's the question. Um, this is one of the things that I see people arguing about on the internet all the time. So I take it that it kind of matters to people. Although I would say, well, some people perceive there to be this big debate between like the pro Oxford comma crowd and the anti Oxford comma crowd. I really feel like it's more, it's, it's kind of like the, it's kind of like the toilet paper thing. You know what I'm talking about? Over or under. where some people, yeah, over or under, right? Like some people perceive there to be this big debate between people that feel strongly that it should be over and people that feel strongly that it should be under. Whereas I think the reality is that it's this big debate between people that feel strongly that it should be over versus people that cannot believe anyone actually cares about this. Right? <laughs> like, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody really feels strongly that it should be under. Like, I don't think I've ever met anybody like that. I think it's people that feel strongly it should be over versus people that are like, 
get a life. <laughs> Actually, you know what's funny? I literally just just had a conversation with someone last week um, who uh, strongly um, prefers under. Oh, really? And does that, per- um, does that person like own cats or something? Because that's the only reason I could imagine preferring under. Like, so the, the cats yeah. can't get at it, you know, or I, I don't know if they do. Or maybe, maybe yeah. if you have toddlers, I don't know, but they might, I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel yeah. this, I feel like the Oxford comma debate is very much the same. Like there are people that feel incredibly strongly that every, every list of three or more things should have an Oxford comma. And then there's people who are like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I've ever met someone who is strongly against the Oxford comma. Although maybe you would, I, maybe you would have identified that way. I don't know. I, I, I was. Yes. Okay. Uh, for a very long time, um, I was strongly against the Oxford comma. Okay. Well, that's interesting to me. That's yeah. really interesting to me. Um, so that is what we're talking about today. Just in case we lost anybody, we're talking about Daryl's journey. Um, his very personal spiritual journey from being anti-Oxford comma to pro-Oxford comma. Um, so let's start. Let, yeah, let's let's just let's just start there. Um, what did you, when you started out anti-Oxford comma? Um, tell me why were you anti-Oxford comma? Let's get into that. I'm really curious. Uh, sure. Um, aesthetically, um, I think too many commas in any sentence is too much. Um, sure. I try to I try to limit the amount of, of commas or you know, any type of um, punctuation. Uh, um, well, because because I, I feel like overuse of commas can be an excuse to just have a sentence keep going and keep going and keep going long yeah. after it stops making sense. Right. Well, okay. When I was younger, <laughs> when I was younger, I would write sentences that were run-on sentences and would keep going with comma after comma. And I guess somewhere in, you know, um, middle school, high school, I started getting serious about writing. And I decided that too much punctuation was too much. Um, I wanted to uh, condense, try to condense my sentences. I still write sometimes these insane run-on sentences. Um, but, um, aesthetically, um, you know, I, I wanted, uh, simplification. The, the other big thing with me was I think people need to read better. There's a lot of, uh, weight on, on writers, um, you know, crafting sentences, crafting the right words, um, you know, going through the editing process, going through copy editors and, um, you know, just trying to um, make a sentence. Each sentence has a lot of work going into it. I think there should be some weight on readers to read better. Right. Right. I, you know, I, I personally feel like, and the, you know, maybe I'm, yeah. maybe I'm hijacking this, but whatever. Let's follow this rabbit trail. I personally feel like the Oxford comma is often used as a fig leaf to hide bad writing. 
Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, like the, the classic example of a sentence that um, needs an Oxford comma, right, is, is a book dedication to my parents, comma, Ayn Rand and God, right? <laughs> yeah. Like without a, without, right. you know, and the joke is without an Oxford comma, it sounds like you're saying your parents are Ayn Rand and God. Ayn Rand and God, right. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, if you're, if you, are a good writer, you should recognize that there's an, a structural problem with that sentence, you know, that would be better fixed by rearranging the sentence as opposed to just adding a comma, you know? And I think if you're a good reader, you would understand the parents are not actually Anne Rand and God. Well, I mean, unless um, the book was written by Ron Paul, right? I mean, his parents are Anne Rand and God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair. Sure. Okay. Uh, but, but no, that that actually it goes to a lot of um, my observation um, writing here and there throughout my youth and into my adult age. Um, I don't think people read as much as they claim to. <laughs> that I am convinced of. <laughs> Overall, in general, um, and I think people are are generally bad readers. Um, so I always, for for an aesthetic um, style, when I wrote, um, I I didn't like having the extra commas in there, and I was like, people need to be able to read better and understand you don't need the comma. I was pretty adamant about it. Yeah, no, I mean, I can definitely dig that. Um, you know, I know one of the few, um, one of the few American style guides that recommends against the Oxford comma is the AP style guide, you know, the associated press, um, yeah. which is, you know, the association of newspapers around the country and the, the journey, you know, the newspaper style, the journalistic style is supposed to be, very quick to the point, very plain, you know, short sentences that get right to the point. And, you know, so I can understand why they would recommend against it because they're trying to steer journalists away from these long Baroque sentences that are written to like impress poets or whatever, you know, they're, they're very much just say what happened and say it as clearly as possible. So I think, you know, I think I can understand that. Well, Um, I mean, to take that, I, I have a lot of opinions. Uh, um, yeah, no, go ahead. Uh, writing, uh, but I, I think simpler sentences actually um, are better to digest and read. And when you start writing, if if you have any talent for writing, you, um, <laughs> you know, experimenting and and making all of these poetic um you know uh sentences trying to cram as much as you can into it um i'm feeling a little personally attacked now yeah, Daryl. Well, <laughs> yeah sure. see daryl's read my daryl's read my novel so i know exactly who he's talking to right now <laughs> um no i i i'm and but i mean i'm i'm talking about myself in in, in my writing sure sure and 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 i think the better the better writing is is more simplified 
just speaking plainly, clarifying what I want to say and and trying to say that as concisely and pointedly as possible. The older I get, the more I write and read. Um, I, I think that is me trying to find my voice in that very concise way. Now to that, the, the serial comma, the Oxford comma, I don't like throwing in a lot of extraneous, you know, punctuation. Sure. And to the, the AP style guide, uh, you know, um, I, I agree with that. Like, there's a lot of extraneous punctuation that goes into sentences that sometimes I think muddles what people are trying, the, the author is trying to, to convey. So if you ever met James Joyce, would you punch him in the face then or? Oh, <laughs> no, I, I, I would like to sit down and, and have a few drinks with James Joyce and um, just pick his brain because I'm not sure <laughs> if he's genius or maybe just an alcoholic or I don't know. <laughs> I, I it seems like a lot of early 20th century writers were exactly well, that. Either geniuses or alcoholics. <laughs> or both. Right. right. I, right. You know. This is a question that I kind of hate asking, but it's on my list of my standard list of questions anyway. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I don't. Okay. So I, I feel like a lot of people see this disconnect between logic and emotions and i don't think i believe the human psyche works that way at all but because because a lot of people seem to see it that way i've been asking this question which is do you feel like you were anti-oxford comma for more logical reasons or for more emotional reasons i'm curious how you would respond to that a bit of both i i, I guess i'm curious how you see a your lead into this question, you're, you're, you're not sure that you believe on one or the other. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I put it, I, I have kind of a standard list of questions I go through on the show, at least sure. for the moment. Um, and I put it on there because I, I, I feel like I keep seeing, I keep encountering people who think there's this huge disconnect between logic and emotions. Like my reasons for what I believe are logical. You're being purely emotional. Um, you know, and I, I, like, I don't buy that, but I do want to get people to introspect about that a little bit, if that makes sense. You know, um, I think, I think David Hume, the Scottish philosopher wrote that, that reason is the slave of the passions, right? Which even if we're, (laughs) even if we're being, very calculating and logical, whatever that may mean, our passions, you know, our emotions are still guiding us on what to be logical about, right? Like, you know, like, I, I mean, if, if I say it's, it's only logical that we do what we can to save as many human lives as possible. Well, I mean, is that logical? Like all I'm, all I'm really saying is I've got an emotional attachment to human life, you know, which might be a good thing. I'm not saying that's bad, you know, but it's still, ultimately guided by emotions if that makes does that make sense oh yeah no i'm 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 tracking with you i always found like this is a total rabbit trail so maybe i'll edit this out but i always i always found like the character of spock on star trek to be a very strange character because he's supposedly guided exclusively by 
logic, but at the same time, he, he, he always seems to have things he wants and things he cares about. And I'm like, aren't those emotions? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I mean, he, even, the, even the desire to keep living is itself an emotion, right? I, I mean, you know, yeah. I, I think you, you and I have both struggled with depression in various capacities. So we know that, right? I am um, tracking with you here. Yeah. So like, I'm, I'm just saying, I don't necessarily buy the disconnect, but because so many p- other people seem to, I feel like I, I want to ask the question just to explore, like, like I said, to get you to introspect a little bit about it. So I don't know. Do you, do you feel like your, your opposition to the comma was, was a logical thing or was it more of an emotional thing? You know, I think it was both. Um, I, no, I have a hard time uh, separating because as I said before, um, I think, I think it was about, I want people to be better readers. Um, and, and I think there's so much uh, weight put on, you know, writers, editors, I think there there's some weight should be on the reader um, to mm-hmm. parse what they're reading. Um, and, and, and I see so many people read just a small, you know, a small article and their their takeaway from it is so different than what I take away from it. And that that just fascinates me. Um do people even read the article anymore though? I thought I thought what we did was we just we just read the headline on Facebook and then immediately post a snarky comment under it. I mean that's what right. I do. Yeah. <laughs> right. Are you saying well, are you saying you actually read the articles, you nerd? <laughs> we're joking, but yes, that's a very serious issue. Um, <laughs> having having a website myself, I see how many people, you know, click through to the article, how much time they spend on it. And um, it is so depressing. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely got to the point where I was back when I blogged avidly, I was like, yeah, I can't look at my metrics anymore. Because I always, I always see an article got like a 1000 hits. And then I click on the details. And it's like a 1000 hits and 700 bounces. Yeah, and I'm like, right. Oh, never mind. <laughs> or, or, you know, the average time reading it is 20 seconds. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it, that definitely depressed me. All that being said, I, I do think it's fascinating how people, different people will, will read the same thing and come away with completely different takeaways from it. And you see, you seem to be saying, at least in the past, you believe that that is the fault of the reader more than the writer, though. I mean, is that what you're saying? No, not exactly. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I think there's traditionally, um, you know, when when you talk about writing and the great books, and you know, even even if you're you know a journalist or, or writing newspaper articles, um there's the idea that the author is responsible for, you know, being clear. And I, I think that's true. Uh-huh. Um, that said, I, th- I think there's also a 
responsibility that never really gets talked about for readers to just sit there and, and think about what they're reading. So do you do you reject the idea of the death of the author then? <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? No. Well, yes, but... Um... <laughs> The death of the the death of the author is the idea from the the quote unquote new school of criticism, or the or I guess they just called it the new criticism that um, started in the early twentieth century, where uh, the critics would say what the author intended doesn't matter; it's all about what we get right, out of the right. work. Or I, I I don't think it's one or the other. I I, I think there's there's this this balance. Um, I don't know if uh, if if you're familiar with um, Nick Cave, um, musician. He recently um, wrote a blog post um, a, a, about dealing with the problematic artist, right? Um, Woody Allen, um, uh-huh. Bill Cosby, um, Louis C.K. A lot of people caught up in the Me Too hashtag and, and what and what's going on there. Um. How how do how do how do we uh, talk about art from someone who we don't respect anymore? And and I think all of this, (laughs) it's kind of (laughs) silly, coming from 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 talking about you know a a comma, (laughs) but I think I think there's there's this tension between what an artist or an author, anybody writing anything puts out and then the audience. And there's no right specific way to say, okay, you've told this story and this is exactly what it means. Um, every, every, Every person is going to read you know, a, a, a sentence, a story, hear a song, watch a movie, and feel differently because of their own life experiences. I, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm going a bit far afield here down some rabbit trails, but, but I think it all, all makes sense uh, in that there is some responsibility on the, the viewer, the reader, to... Take what is given and treat it with respect. And I don't see that ever really talked about much. Well, I mean, why would you do that when you can just post your hot take to Twitter and get 100 likes, right? I mean, right, sure. <laughs> I mean, given the choice, well, given the choice. I, yeah, um, I, I, <laughs> I am, I'm, I never really do hot takes, so, <laughs> um, I do takes. <laughs> I, I have a lot of takes, um, but they're usually <laughs> slow and thought out and three weeks late <laughs> and nobody cares anymore. Um, and that's why I'm, that's why I'm doing a podcast instead of a, <laughs> a you know, I, I spend more time on my podcast sure. than on my Twitter account yeah. because it takes me forever to figure out what I well, think about but, things. But, so <laughs> but that, that's part of I think you know you're you're still a creator, right? What about the audience? The, does the audience have 
a responsibility to listen better. I think they do. Hmm. Um, as an audience member myself for you know my whole life, um, regardless of whether I write anything or or you know create videos or um, I'm I'm still a listener. I'm still a partaker. I'm still a watcher. Um, and I, I, I think you have some responsibility to try to listen and read better. Um, and I don't think authors need to pander to the lowest common denominator, um, which is what I think a lot of the rules of punctuation and grammar are. <laughs> I, I've, I've thought about this probably far too much. <laughs> yeah, I mean... This is interesting to me because it sounds like now this this is the I mean this is the structure I'm going for on the show in general so maybe this is partly my fault but <laughs> I ask you like why were you formerly <laughs> against the Oxford comma and you know you you say all this stuff about like it's I mean because it's the responsibility of the reader yeah. to um you know and I mean it sounds like you still believe this stuff to me so now i'm really curious yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's not like you i mean it's not like you rejected your your previous views so much as i, I I'm, I'm guessing you learned something else or or thought of you know some, something else came to your so, mind so let's I'm talk about that. Yeah. like why did you first start to question your your um hatred of the oxford comma like what changed your mind yeah um <laughs> i i, I you know, it was kind of a, a, a fun conversation I would have with friends online who were writers, editors, people who dig that sort of nerdiness uh, of talking about grammar and punctuation. A friend of mine, uh, Martin Stillian, um, who is a professional copy editor. So obviously very invested in these questions. Yes, yes. I, I, literally invested. I went back and I, I tried to, it was it was a conversation we had on Facebook and I went back and tried to find it and I, I, I couldn't earlier today. I remember, I remember very clearly, you know, um, you used uh, the the really famous, you know, Ayn Rand and, and God big example. He actually used an example where... I could not, as a reader, parse what the two, um, you know, the things in in the um, in the row bent. And I thought about it for a long time, and I said, "Well, I can't do this, so I need that comma there." And and that changed my my mind for using it. Then, just as I want to be consistent. <laughs> In my writing, right, um, right. because if I use it in one place that I want to be consistent and continue using it for any reader um, to be comfortable and familiar um, with anything I write, and you, you can't remember what the example is because that'd be really. I, curious I, I tried to, I tried to, and I actually, I, I talked to him earlier today as well. I can't remember what it was, but I remember sitting there one night and. Literally thinking this is this is going to change how i write using using commas that's interesting see because and i i might have 
said this or hinted at it earlier in our conversation, but my, like, I'm, I am not an Oxford comma devotee and I like, (laughs) you might be the first person on my show that has changed his mind to something I disagree with personally. Um, (laughs) yeah, you know, and I, like, like I said a little bit earlier, I I think I said this, my hot take on the Oxford comma has always been that if your sentence needs an Oxford comma for clarity, you just need to write a better sentence, right? Yeah. Like the, the to, to my parents, Ayn Rand and God thing, like that can easily be fixed by just saying to Ayn Rand, my parents and God, right? Like just rearrange your sentence slightly. All the ambiguity is gone. You don't need the Oxford comma there. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, the other pushback I have since I'm on my, anti-Oxford comma rant now and I, I might as well because I'm drunk and angry not really I'm just kidding um <laughs> but I you know my, my other pushback is there are examples is it, of sentences out there is, I'm sorry is that the outtake I'm I'm drunk and angry change <laughs> that's these are the jokes folks no I like occasionally occasionally I try to be funny on this podcast because as far as I can tell funny stuff is the only thing people actually want from yeah. me you know like, I try to write thoughtful stuff I try to write like horror novels people are like where's the funny Luke I'm like okay fine whatever I'll do something else funny anyway <laughs> I'm not drunk. I'm not angry. But no, my other my other objection to the Oxford comma is that there are examples of sentences where the Oxford comma actually introduces ambiguity. Um, like, for for instance, if you change the dedication slightly to read to my mother, Ayn Rand and God, right? Like if there's a comma after Ayn Rand, it makes it sound like Ayn Rand's your mother, right? Because oh. the two commas set off Ayn Rand, make it seem like an appositive, with a, what's grammatically referred to as an appositive, where a noun defines yes. the previous noun. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, you know, I mean, to hear you say, like, after I saw the sentence, I realized I needed to be consistent and put an Oxford comma into everything. I'm like, eh, uh, nope. <laughs> um, y- you know, I, I, I think that uh, comes from... I, I, I like being consistent um, in anything I do. So uh, if I'm going to do something one way in this instance, then I'm going to try to do it the same way in the next instance. Um, <laughs> and I I just, it, it will bug me if, if I don't, <laughs> don't do it. Um, right. Yeah. So, uh, but but that's actually really interesting. Um, your example you just gave, because another copy editor friend of mine was was just uh, just uh, asked the question um, on Facebook about um, what was the example? Um, my brother, comma uh, name, you know, uh, my brother Luke. Um, what does that comma signify? Are you asking me? The the answer is I would have to see it in the broader context of a sentence. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so like if, if you have a sentence like my brother, comma, Luke, comma, is super annoying, right? Like obviously Luke isn't a positive there that defines my brother. Yeah. Right. Like my brother, which brother? Which Luke? brother? He's super that, annoying. That's what he was right? yeah, that's what he was he was going for. Um he didn't think that most people needed the comma 
because most people don't understand that positive. Well, and I, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how deep of a dive we want to get into a nerdy grammar stuff, um, but there is there is a distinction between what's called an essential appositive and an inessential appositive, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the 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 essential. Okay, so inessential appositive, I believe, would be set off with commas, and the the essential would not. So you could have the sentence just "My brother Luke is super annoying," right, without the commas. Yeah. And it still makes and it still makes sense, um, but there are I mean there are instances, um, and I I can't think of one off the top of my head, but there are instances where the commas there actually mean something. Um, oh gosh, if, if I have multiple <laughs> ahead, brothers, um, you know, right. obviously, then my brother Luke, as opposed to my brother Stan. Um, you know, right. um, but again, that goes to the writer reader relationship and the reader's familiarity with what what the author is talking about. If I'm reading, you know, your Luke T. Harrington's biography, it's somewhat on me to pay attention to what I'm reading and to know whether you have any brothers or sisters and then that comma becomes essential when I know that about you. Yeah. So let, let me, let me, okay. So I've been thinking about this for a few seconds. So here, here's an example of a sentence where the, the commas like are necessary. Like if you, if you rearrange the sentence, so it says Luke, my brother is super annoying, right? So Luke is the main subject of the sentence. My brother is in a positive yeah. that defines Luke then you need those commas, right? Because Luke, my brother, is super annoying without the commas. That doesn't make right. any sense, right? Like the, the brother is there to give additional information about Luke, but it's not necessary. It's not essential right. to the sentence, which makes it an inessential, a positive, which means you need those commas. And as an editor, um, <laughs> I, I would tell the writer to rewrite the sentence. <laughs> right, right. But if you have a sentence that, and here, here's the here's the way back to the Oxford comma. If you have a sentence that's like Luke, comma my brother, comma and my dog are all super annoying, or leave out the all Luke, comma my brother, comma and my yeah. dog are yeah. super annoying. Like, are we talking about are we talking about two people there or three people? Are we talking about Luke, who is your brother and your dog are annoying? Are we talking about Luke and also your brother and also your dog? All three of those people are annoying, right? Like, there's an example of a sentence where the Oxford comma just adds confusion. Okay. Yeah, sure. Well, <laughs> and, well it, 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 it goes to uh, my, my thought that, you know, the reader needs to take responsibility. Obviously there are many examples of, of, of written communication that are uh, important, but maybe nonsensical. um like everything that's ever been published in an academic journal for instance (laughs) (laughs) we were talking about joyce earlier um um but maybe um the you know writings of um uh what was the unabomber Uh uh-huh there's important work that is sometimes nonsensical I i think it 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 the reader bears some responsibility. I still think this 
the reader bears some responsibility on um, being able to parse the sentences. And again, um, you know, I have decided that for clarity's sake, um, I would rather use the Oxford serial comma um, so as to be as clear as I can, I think. I want to hold your feet to the fire a little bit on this, though. Okay. All right. Okay. Because, you know, when it, it, it feels it feels like you're giving me the same answer for two opposite questions, which is that, you know, when, it, when I say, why were you why were you against the Oxford comma? You say, well, I felt like the onus was on the reader to understand. And then when I say, well, now, why are you for the Oxford comma? You say, because I feel like the onus is on the reader to understand. <laughs> so. I really want you to, I really want you to define, define this for me. Like what changed just in one sentence, what changed? <laughs> no, no, no. I, th- I think, um, I realized there were situations where the Oxford comma, the zero comma, uh, made it more clear for the reader. Um, and I do feel that strongly that there is some onus on the reader as a writer and editor. Um, I, I need to be as, as, as clear as I can, uh, for them. Okay. Um, okay. Does but, that make sense? Yeah, well, sort sort of, sort of. Now, I mean, you and I are both writers. You and I are both editors. So obviously we think about this stuff yeah. a lot. Um, now, my, my go-to when I'm editing, and for that matter, when I'm writing, is like, if it, you know, if it's a question of whether you use the Oxford comma or not, I should probably just follow the style oh, guide for sure. whatever I'm doing. Yeah, um, which usually for me is Chicago, but which means use the Oxford comma, but whatever <laughs> to me pragmatically like throw style guides out the window like to me pragmatically the question of the oxford comma is more of if it reduces ambiguity i should use it if it introduces ambiguity i shouldn't right because i mean i like like we've sure. just been talking about i can think of examples for both right so i don't you know it's like if style guides are not in the picture, <laughs> which, you know, I mean, usually they are, but if they're not, like my take is always just write clearly, regardless of what that means. If that means using the Oxford comma, then use it. If it means avoiding it, then avoid it. Why should I feel like strongly one way or the other? Like that's, that's where I am on the Oxford sure. comma. Yeah. And I don't, I don't feel like, like, Maybe my mind is not changeable about this. Like, <laughs> I feel like I'm open-minded about everything <laughs> except this. Um, so this. This might be this might be more a problem with me than with you. But I feel like you're you're failing to make the case to me that I should oh, embrace the Oxford I'm, comma. I am I am I am I am not an apologist for the Oxford comma. Um, and I'm no no I I I. <laughs> I change my mind and how I write based on an example <laughs> given to me from from uh, my friend Martin, a copy editor. 
but I'm not um, an apologist for the Oxford comma now. Um, I mean, if you want, if you want to be one, now is your chance. No, no, no. I, um, <laughs> I, I use it now um, in my own writing and when I edit, just for consistency's sake. That being said, I, I'm. I understand your your viewpoint. I would just rather be consistent with with everything I do. I just wish that you had the sentence he showed you because I feel like everything turns on that. And you know, maybe sometimes sometimes that's how things go is we change our minds and we can't remember exactly why. Yeah. Um, right. Which is I mean, which is a whole other interesting rabbit trail, but um I feel I feel like if I could see that sentence <laughs> if I could see that sentence, I could make a strong, I, I, I could probably make a strong case of why, why it doesn't demonstrate what you say it does. But I can't say that for sure. Cause I don't know what the sentence was. Um, well, it, it, it changed my mind um, and my own personal usage. Um, yeah. You know, um, since then, um, so it, it, it definitely stood out. Um, and I wish I could have found it, found it as well. But, um, I, I remember literally spending most of an evening reading that sentence <laughs> and being like, well, you know, I really don't know what it means unless that comma's there. This is kind of a this is a question I try to ask all my guests, but I've I have been dancing around it a little bit, um, just because our conversation has been going in other directions. But I am actually really interested in the idea that a lot of us, and I'm not exempting myself from this, but a, lo- a lot of us believe what we believe for selfish reasons, like to justify stuff we already want to do, <laughs> or to make ourselves feel better about ourselves, that sort of thing. Um, I'm I'm curious. Would you would you say that there there's any any sort of selfish motivation for either your previous rejection of the Oxford comma or your subsequent embrace of it? I don't know about selfish. I would say there's some sort of um, feeling superior <laughs> in my previous rejection of it because I thought if you can't parse a sentence as a reader, um you probably haven't read enough and need to just go back and and start reading more until you can, you can parse the sentence yourself because most of the time I think it's fairly obvious um, in context. Um, That being said, I ran across a situation where as an avid reader, I could not parse the sentence um, one way or the other without the comma being there. Um, so that kind of humbled me, I think, <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense. Um, and I realized, well, maybe maybe I was just being a bit of a, <laughs> of a jerk um, because I just ran across a sentence where I could not figure it out without that bit of of punctuation and maybe Hmm. i should maybe i should use it that's cool yeah um 
Okay, this is this is something I've been asking all my guests. Do you have a quote unquote coming out story? In other words, did you have to um, announce to the world that you had changed your mind and how did people react oh, and how did you? I, feel? I I made a Facebook post about it. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Did you? Um, <laughs> and again, I I couldn't find it when I and you know it's I'm it's all there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um but i couldn't i couldn't find the the uh the actual post but i i remember the next day um making a facebook post saying basically hey uh i'm actually going to start using the oxford comma now <laughs> it, it was, how long ago how long ago was this because i i mean we are we are facebook friends and we have been for a few years and i assume if i saw it i probably left a snarky comment yeah, no, on it this would have been <laughs> oh my word this would have been maybe seven eight years ago i think okay so that was before we knew yeah. each other then yeah but yeah <laughs> Uh, you know, that was my coming out moment, I guess. <laughs> well, how did people react? I mean, did you get a lot of comments I, on I, I it? I remember or? it being fairly active. Um, because <laughs> um, I, I do feel like this is this is one of those stupid little things that gets people well, it, coming it, out swinging, it, it really, you know. <laughs> you know, again, like I said, you know, it, this is nerdy and somewhat an inside baseball, but. It, it 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 also is very for anybody who reads it 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 is very uh, tactile it's it's you know something you see and process all the time if you're a reader so right. it's it's kind of nerdy but it it also is something that that people interact with every day all the time right it's it's like if you're used to seeing something there and then it's not there, you know, even if yeah. you never think about it, that can trip right. you up. Yeah. Right. Or vice yeah. versa. Right? Well, and, and um, it, it's like the single space or double space after a uh, period. Right. Yes. <laughs> and that's a whole other argument we could probably get into. Um, if, if, if it's something <laughs> that, that you become aware of, um, then you start seeing it all the time everywhere. Right. I mean, I mean, it's like maybe this is an off the wall analogy, but it's like if you put on your favorite music album and like the drums were missing or something, like even if you'd never thought about the drums, you would still be like, something's <laughs> right. wrong. Yeah, What's yeah. going on? <laughs> um, it'd be like, don't fear the Reaper without the cowbell. <laughs> well, in the actual song, the cowbell is yeah, very exactly. low in the mix, yes. but if they took it out, it was, you would yeah. notice. Yeah. <laughs> But but we're we're more aware of it <laughs> yeah. because of the no, Saturday that... Night Live skit with Daryl has a fever and the only cure is an Oxford comma. <laughs> so how has your life changed since you embraced the Oxford comma? Did you um, become a millionaire overnight or start dating <laughs> any supermodels or anything like that? No. Yeah. Um... <laughs> has your career as an editor suddenly launched into the stratosphere not not in any any <laughs> i don't we, we when you were talking about doing this launching this podcast um i threw this idea out there literally as a joke um and <laughs> uh this has been the the biggest um 
thing that has happened surrounding my 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 change of of heart. We'll wait until this episode blows up yeah. and you become world famous. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Thing, thing is, you never you never throw out things with as jokes around me because I will take you seriously because I walk that line between the sublime and the absurd. <laughs> I I actually no, I I and I took up on on actually following through and, and doing this because I thought well you're crazy enough to actually want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I, I've said this before, but my, my goal for the podcast really is to, um, you know, mix it up and do like something super serious one week, something a little goofy the next week. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's like the exact thing I don't want to do if I'm trying to like maintain a following, but it's kind of just what I really I don't know. want to do I, I, just for fun. <laughs> I think that works. It was the, the whole X-Files thing. Sure. They, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great point. Yeah. You know, the X-Files had super serious episodes and super jokey episodes and it was great. Yeah. I could, I could be the X-Files I, of philosophical podcasting. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't, <laughs> it wouldn't be the same show if, if you had taken out one part or the other. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it all kind of meshes together, and it is what it is because it has both. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, wow, I just got compared to the X Files. Go me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, you know, the, the, you know, this is the thing that not a whole lot of people, I think, are really giving too much thought about. Um, you know whether to use the, the, the serial, the Oxford comma. Um, but I did. I mean, most people don't even know the difference between your and your. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I spent many nights actually, you know, I, I've probably spent at least 40 hours actually thinking about this um <laughs> in your life I, or in the I, last no, few weeks my life. <laughs> but, but that's that's you know a not um small amount of time well and it's you know it i think it is an interesting topic because it's one of those things that a lot of people seem really devoted to and yet like in a lot of other written languages like even languages relatively closely related to english like yeah. german like it's not even a thing like nobody right. uses it yeah you yeah. know and yet in english like it has i mean it, it has it's it, it has an ocean of stamps yeah. you know like it's just yeah um <laughs> so you know so, you know somebody out there is you know going to listen to this and and tell me why i'm wrong and probably Tell you why you're wrong as well, <laughs> which I look forward to because um, you know, f- feedback on podcasts tends to be, you know, a bit sparser than on say blog posts or, you know, social media posts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see the see the feedback on this episode. <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, let's go on though. Um. You changed your mind about the Oxford comma. What? What? Aside from, aside from 
the Oxford comma, you, um, what would you say you learned from the experience of changing your mind? Um, yeah, you know, to go back to, I, I think what I said before, um, I actually felt humbled when I ran across something that I didn't think existed. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, a, a sentence I could not parse without additional help <laughs> from the, you know, comma. <laughs> um, sure. So, I, you know, I, I feel like, you know, and again, this is probably sounds silly to anybody listening who isn't into copy editing and writing. Um, but uh, no, it was, I felt really humbled and I was like, well, you know, if I'm wrong about this, you know, I might be wrong about other things that I'm, I was confident about, you know, everybody thinks aliens don't exist until they get abducted. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's all just, you know, a a little bit of a kick in the pants and like, I'm not as smart as I think I am. (laughs) (laughs) I have three kind of concluding philosophical questions that I want to ask every guest because the long-term goal of the show for me is to really get out the questions of how do we know truth and how do we know ourselves? You know, um, even when we're talking about something a little more light, like grammar, um, I want to ask these questions. So what do you think is, what do you think identity is? Do people have an identity? Is there such a thing as identity? What is identity? <laughs> uh, and it's an open-ended question by design, so ramble as much as you want. Yeah, I mean, I mean, identity is absolutely a thing. Um, <laughs> it's shaped from I, I think, um, so many different um, influences, our own perception of the world of of what we think the world should be our perception of ourselves in the world who we think we are who we think other people perceive us as it absolutely exists um and i think it informs so much of what we do and and how we interact with the world and i think part of how we interact with the world stems from our identity and sometimes sometimes i think uh, our identity is is so caught up in ways we perceive the world that when we run up against something like i did (laughs) with a sentence um that didn't have a comma in it that i couldn't wrap my mind around I had to rethink a little bit of my own identity because of it. That's a really interesting point, I think, is that that our identity is ultimately, or at least partially, formed by what we believe to be true. Yeah. And so often when when we find out we were wrong about something, we take it not just as a correction of our beliefs, but an attack on our, ourselves on our identity. Our, yeah. Our, our, uh-huh. who, who we think we are. Absolutely. And I think that explains a lot of the problems in the world, <laughs> at least partially. Yeah. 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 No, I completely agree. And, and I, I mean, and it, you know, if we can be, 
if our identity can be invested in something as small and unimportant as whether to use a comma, like how much more is our identity going to be invested in our, you know, our beliefs about life, the universe and everything. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, um, I, I think you can still hold on to certain beliefs as I still do that readers should be more responsible in their reading, but also change my mind and be humble enough to not have that, you know, crush who I think I am as a person, you know, it, obviously we're talking about commas, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, to, to, to play that out to, you know, um, you know, religious or, uh, political or moral f- philosophical ideals about ourselves you know, I, I think it scales, you know? Right. Um, you, yeah. You know, we, we need to be, um, humble enough to realize that, Sometimes it's okay to change our mind about certain things and learn. You know, I, 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 I think it's 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 all it's all about discovering new things and learning. Um, I, I people kind of flame out at a certain point. You know, you know, maybe it's their early twenties, maybe it's their thirties. They kind of just stop being interested in, in learning new things and just shape the world. Um, they, they think it, it should be, you know? Yeah. Um, so, um, I think learning is, is good. It's, it's, it's being a, a child. It's, it's, it's having a sense of wonder you know, even even as we go through life and and become older and cynical and jaded um, in a lot of ways. But um, I think it's a good thing to to, to be able to, to still have that uh, ability to change our minds. That is a good word. Um, let's go on to question number two, which is what is human nature? Is there such a thing as human nature? Are we all blank slates? Are we all born a certain way? Oh, what do you think? <laughs> uh, <laughs> nature, nurture. Um, I, 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 I think about my kids a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I am blessed with two amazing, intelligent, curious, thoughtful, um, well-behaved kids. And I'm not sure I did anything... <laughs> Uh, to do that so um i i don't i don't know i said this on the previous episode um so i'll probably edit this out but i i saw a quote the other day on on twitter that i thought was really interesting that was like um anybody who thinks people are just blank slates has definitely had fewer than two children or something like that okay um you know because if you have if you have more than one kid you can see that two people raised in almost or you know an identical environment turn out and completely different yeah 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 uh, anyway <laughs> no it, it, it's a great question um i i don't know <laughs> it's yeah i continue to think about but um i don't i'm not sure i have any deep thoughts on it yeah i mean the the reason the reason i ask this question in particular, I, I, I think is that, um, you know, you and I and everyone else is kind of living in the wreckage of 
what some have called the liberal experiment, right? Like classical liberalism, mm. i.e. the ideas that came out of the enlightenment all seem to like, like the enlightenment ideals kind of assumes people are blank slates, you know, and that we can build this world where people are better, better people than they were in say the middle ages or whatever, because, you know, we can teach people to be, you know, better people. And at least from my perspective, it seems to be a failed experiment, <laughs> at least so far. I mean, I, um, I, I, I do think we, <laughs> I do think we can influence people to be better. Uh, but I don't think, but it's still people doing the influencing, you know? <laughs> well, and again, this goes back to my, my point. It's a symbiosis between the, influencer and the influencee between the author and the reader um yeah you know between the the artist and the the person in the audience yeah well and one thing one thing we talked about in um the previous episode which i know you haven't listened to but um yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah the, my, my guest my guest last week we, we talked about um how a, a man and woman should relate in a marriage okay. was our, was our subject like comp, quote unquote complementarianism versus quote unquote egalitarianism, yeah. you know? And one thing, one thing she said, you know, when, when I asked her, like, was it hard to change your mind? Do you, did you have to come out to a bunch of your friends that you had changed your mind? You know, one thing she said was that um, she's a military wife, you know, and she was, she was like, well, we move around every couple of years. So I could kind of change my mind whenever I wanted, <laughs> okay. you know, and that was, and maybe that's funny. I don't know, but like that's really intriguing to me because I feel like so many of the our ideology, our ideas, are created and grounded in community, yeah. right? Like, and the stuff, like the stuff we take for granted, is the stuff is. I mean, it's not just like rock solid truth, and it's just just like random stuff. It's stuff we've absorbed from the people around us. Yeah, you know. And, you know, there's this feedback loop of, of what the community believes, which becomes what we believe, which becomes what we say to the community, which becomes what the community says back to us. And the longer we stay in community with certain people, the harder and harder it gets to change our mind about anything. Sure. I feel yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Um, I see what you're saying. Absolutely. I don't know, you know, I'm not saying you have to have any thoughts about that, but that's like one of the really interesting ideas I've hit on in doing this podcast so far. And I'm still kind of turning it over in my mind, you know, it's, it's um, hard. I think it's, it, it's, it's, it's hard to be in a community and continue to ask questions, um, feel the freedom to change one's mind and still give the positive feedback of I'm, I'm in this community. Um, when I'm constantly also asking questions. Right. Um, I, I, I certainly felt that, uh, going to, a um, you know, a, a private Christian school growing up. Uh-huh. Um, I, I had a lot of questions <laughs> and would things not not out of not out of a sense of of being a smart ass or, or or just trying to get one over but literally i was curious and trying to wrap my my mind around something 
but the 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 community the you know being in 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 such a small school um with a very specific uh, agenda it 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 felt awkward asking so many questions sometimes because then i felt i wasn't part of the the community if that right. makes sense I, I mean i feel like that's I mean, that's what community is like almost by definition is a, a group of people that rewards each other for doing certain things, believing certain things. Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, it's, it's not like there, there can ever be such a thing as a community where you can do and believe and say whatever you want with impunity because people always exert pressure on other people for good or for ill. Yeah. 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 So living living in community with other human beings by you know almost by definition means an end of freedom or at least a curtailing of freedom in the most in the broadest sense of the word. So um, something I I don't know if you're familiar with uh, who David Dark is. No, I've never heard that name. I don't think. Um, he he's an author. He said he uh, when Trump um, met with um, Kim Jong Il, he said. Uh, Something uh, to the effect of uh, the two least free people <laughs> um, meeting each other. Huh. And I think th- that speaks to what you, you were just talking about. When you're in a community, you, you take on a role as an actor or a writer. You lose a sense of, of, of freedom. You have mm-hmm. to you have to perform in a certain way. And I, I, I think that's a really, really fascinating way to, to look at at how we live our lives. All right. Finally, the big question, the big one. OK, what is truth? Is there such a thing as truth? Should All we right. believe in truth? Should we seek the truth? I thought <laughs> the question was was going to involve G- Godzilla in some way. Um I mean, it can if you want. If you think, if you think there's something fundamental to truth about Godzilla, I mean, some people do. Some people do. Kaiju is a genre that has its has its fans for sure. Uh, man, I truth is is like obvious when you see it. Something we want to hide from at times. I think it's it's absolutely something that's that's real. Um, but it's also something that's um, flexible, <laughs> if if that makes any kind of sense. Um, because we're we're all individuals, and we all experience life through the only way we know how through our own own eyes and lenses and our own experiences. So are you, would you say that truth itself is real, but our perception of it is flexible? Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just I'm I'm just trying to push back a little bit and and get you to to find real and flexible. If you wanted to find them differently, that's fine. Um, no that 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 sounds accurate to what I'm I'm I think I'm trying to say. I'm good with it. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you think about? I'm curious because we because we were just we were just talking about um, community, and I'm wondering to what extent the individual experiences truth, and to what extent the community experiences truth. 
right? Mm. Like, do we define truth for ourselves or do we define truth for ourselves in the context of community? Both. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's, 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 it's all happening at the same time on multiple levels to us daily. We are, we're, we're, we're yeah, doing that ourselves and we're also doing it in relation to our community of our job, our community of, um, you know, our family, our community of our country. Um, and there's all these different levels that are all happening at the same time. Um, and I, th I think that can be confused I, I, to people, especially when different communities one is involved with have uh, conflicting um, ideologies. That's when it gets really complicated. <laughs> and I, and I, and I, I think that uh, can be confusing, but uh, I, you know, I think it's important to realize we, we all have our own moral compass and I, I, I think we need to, find a way to, to, to listen to that and others around us. When that moral compass says to you, Oxford commas all the time, you <laughs> have to answer the call. Then you have to, you have to, you have to change um, your writing style and, and put in the Oxford comma <laughs> every time. What other, what other choice could there be? There, there is no other choice. <laughs> Well, Daryl, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Um, yeah. Do you have anything you want to plug? Twitter, website, etc. Um, you know, if if you if you need a website built, uh, please please look me up. Um, Reddedzebra.com. Um, check out RiseUpDaily.com. Um, my uh pop culture website and uh yeah that's that's pretty much it and i've said this before but i really think that rise up daily would be a lot more popular if you called it stay in bed and sleep in daily <laughs> you have said that before yeah <laughs> i had to say it on the podcast because it was too good of a joke to just leave floating around on the annals of facebook yes yeah. uh, okay <laughs> right well i'm 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 the managing editor the the publisher um, I'm sure we'll, we'll get a kick out of that. So I'll make sure he listens to this. <laughs> I am curious. Does the name mean anything in particular or is it just a catchy name? Uh, no, it was, it was just, um, you know, the idea, keep getting up, do something each day, um, push back against the system. It's kind of a, uh, punk, <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit inspired, um, website which which is weird because it if you meet me in person i'm the least punk <laughs> um i mean you're on a podcast right now talking about your love for the oxford yes, comma so yeah. <laughs> um, but, but at the same time I, I i i love it um do something that that challenges you and challenges the culture around you um, and maybe scares you every day. Um, I I think that's a cool um, thing to thing to live by. 
And I'd say that's absolutely in line with what we're about here at uh, Change My Mind. Cool. So, yeah. Um, once again, this has been Change My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. Thanks for listening. Um, please check out my website, LukeTHarrington.com, or find me on Twitter at Luke T. Harrington. Thanks for listening. See you next time, Internet. I've spent a lot of time, um, probably way too much time, uh, wondering about why people argue about petty things, um, like an Oxford comma, for instance. You know, like I said, I do want this podcast to kind of hop all over the map, and, you know, some episodes are going to be um, more serious than others, but I, I don't want every episode to be about controversial political issues or heated religious debates. I, I don't want that. Um, I do want to do some fun stuff. And part of the reason for that is that it is really interesting that we can get so heated about stuff like the Oxford comma or like Star Trek versus Star Wars or like, uh, Apple versus Android or whatever, you know, um, Nintendo versus whatever the heck else there is, Playbox or X Station or, or whatever it is. I don't know why you would ever want a gaming system that's not a Switch in your arsenal, but there are people that do want those things. Um, and the thing, I've, so anyway, I have been wondering, you know, why do people argue about this stuff? And I think part of the answer is we get tired of arguing about things that matter. Um, but then the question becomes like, why when we need a break is our go-to to keep arguing about things? And I think that there is some truth to the idea that uh, people are fundamentally tribal, that people always define themselves in terms of what they're against or who they're against. Um, and I think that sort of seeking for belonging by opposing things is just intrinsic to human nature. Um, and I know that's not going to be the most popular idea. Um, I know that um, some people are going to find that idea frustrating, but what you see in history, and this is a gross generalization, but <laughs> I think it's what you see in, in history is that when America in particular is most united is when we are at war with someone or, you know, and shortly thereafter, um, the decades of quote unquote peacetime are often our most um, in unstable and violent um internally so yeah i'm not an optimist when it comes to human nature i don't think there will ever be this golden future when we all learn to love each other and get along and work together globally and that's why star trek is dumb and you should watch star wars um <laughs> but no um i i do think that and the conversations I've had so far have not really changed my mind very much on that, um, ironically, I suppose. Um, but so far, I'm uh, the conversations I've had really are clarifying a lot of these thoughts for me. 
Um, I feel like in just in the handful of episodes I've made, I've learned a great deal about human nature and um, the nature of controversy. Um, and I hope you have as well. Um, anyway, I'm curious, what do you think about the Oxford comma? Um, find me on Twitter at Luke T. Harrington. Shoot me a tweet. I'm curious. I want to know, did Daryl convince you the Oxford comma is great? Did I convince you the Oxford comma is meh? Are you unpersuadable about the Oxford comma, as I assume most people are? So yeah, tweet at me or um, you can email me at luke.t.harrington at gmail.com. Um, I'm curious to hear from you. So, uh, yeah, if you like the show, all the standard calls to action apply. Please um, take a second to give us a give me a review on iTunes um, or, you know, recommend me to a friend. Um, and if you don't like the show, recommend me to one of your enemies, because why would you not? Um, anyway, thank you for listening. I want to thank Raven Creek Social Club for hosting the podcast. Those guys are great. Please check out their other podcasts, The Commentarians and Faith and Other Oddities. Um, if you want to shoot me a tip... Uh, find my book on Amazon. It is called Ophelia Alive, and it is a literary psychological thriller. So that is a very specific audience. But if you're in it, please check it out. Um, I will see you next time. Have a lovely week. <laughs>